to this week's Haycast with your host, Lopez. And Mo. What is good? Yo, what's good, Mon? What's good, baby? What's How good? you doing? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. How are you? Yeah, I'm doing amazing. You know what's shocking? What is shocking? We don't have energy drinks. We don't? Yeah, we haven't had energy drinks this whole season. Oh, shit. Yeah, because Ray's didn't fucking send us anymore. Yeah, they haven't been sending us anymore. Like, what do we do without having sponsors? I guess we just go out the window. Yeah, head first. Head, head first, first out, head the first, out the window. Damn. Into the ether. But wait. Guillermo. Yes. We do have sponsors. Oh, we do. We do. There are people who keep that flamingo on. Our patrons. That's right. We have patrons, people, and they help keep this flamingo nice and lit. Lit. Fucking lit. So let's go down the list because they know who they are. But let's we go down everybody the list. else. Yes, let's go down the list. Who they are. <laughs> our, our patrons here are Big Dog. Woof, woof, woof. Gulai. What's up, Gulai? What's good? Ramon Gonzalez. Senor Ramon. Stumbles. Sean Stumbles. How you doing? How you been? How's everything? The one and only meatball loving Sunday gravy making Carl Pasta Lasagna. Who told this man he could talk? <laughs> yeah. Who told this man he could talk? Who turned on this mic? Turn off his mic. They know the rules. Oh, uh, Sassy you know, Everybody else knows the rules. Off. I was thinking of that one the whole time. All our guests know the rules. Let you us wait until you get introduced. My bad, my Those bad. I got, I got excited. I jumped the gun. You're doing like the barstool pressy. One rule. There's one rule. One, one bite one. takes and five then, bites. Yeah, and then seven bites after. He's like, oh, this was bad. I'd like yeah. to take one bite out of our favorite Patreon, Carl Pasta Lasagna. Oh, my God. Isa Dado. Isa Dado. Billy Marina, Mami Papi. Billy Marina, Lopez. Isa Marina, hermana. Yes. Love you, too. Kevin Lewin. C2T2. And we also have Rob. Who gave us 60 bucks at one time. Which, Thank you, you know, Rob. It works. That's how it works. Keeps That's the good light for on. Me. Keeps the battery on to that. Uh, yeah, it's like, you know how much AA batteries cost? Yeah. Like, it's like a big pack. It's like Patient 30 money. bucks. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So since our guest kind of like jumped yeah, the gun Yeah, kind of just jumped the gun. <laughs> instead of waiting to be introduced the way that normal people do, right? Because Yeah, people wait their turns. But I guess this one is just... So impolite and so rude. Oh my god. Civilized society is dead and we know it. Dead. Dead. Out the window, society went. Head first. <laughs> From the sixth floor. Sixth floor. I mean, oh all you need god. is like two floors, really. If you're going out. But society first. decided to choose the sixth floor. All right. <laughs> is it my time? Uh, What's your name? What is your Please name? introduce yourself for now. Favor. Now now you get to introduce yourself since you decided to jump that gun. It's your boy, Rigatoni. Yeah, that was a lot more underwhelming than I thought it was. I, I wanted to get in when you guys were doing your intros. Yeah, there we go, baby. When you guys were doing your intros, I was getting so excited. I was ready to jump in, but I was like, I'll wait my turn. And he still didn't wait his turn. Look and I didn't. I didn't. I couldn't help myself. ADHD is a bitch, ain't it? It huh? is. It is. What it is. What it is. What it is. So how are you, Tony? How you doing? I'm doing great. Uh... I'm pretty tired. You guys are lucky you caught me on a weeknight because that's pretty unusual for me. It's getting close to my bedtime. It's 8.53, sir. <laughs> that's why today's episode is called Bedtime Stories with your host, Mon Lopez and Sleepy Tony. Sleepy hey, Tony. Sleepy Tony. Yeah, I'm pretty sleepy. But I'm an early riser, so got to tackle the day. Yeah, tackle it. Mm. But don't you spend much of your day at work? 
Um, like ten hours. So is it, is it truly tackled? Uh, Think about that. Or the yeah. job tackled. It's more yeah. of a wrestle it to the ground kind of thing. But. So you are a civil engineer whose job is to wrestle their job to the ground. Of course. I wrestle every single day. So instead of building up, you wrestle down. I wrestle it right down to the ground. I Wrestling. think that's counterproductive. <laughs> it is. Especially when your job title is being a civil engineer. You know? Yeah. But everyone needs a little roughing up in their lives. That's no, I don't agree said. with that. I don't agree with that. Maybe we could do without it. No, stop it. You prefer, <laughs> like, you prefer cuddles? Life. Of course. Sweet, right. sweet cuddles. We can make it, we can make it cuddly. Wake up, America. Wake up to the today's episode of the hate cast. I feel like that horn is like that's slightly off tone. Yeah. And it's like, <laughs> it's like mosquito version. <laughs> <laughs> mosquito bites. Yeah. All right. So, Tony, what did you come on the show for? What do you want to talk about? What to talk to hear? my boys, man. We're here to get the people woken up. Woken up? Amen. Are you saying that you're here to offer a college-level course <gasps> to the people? Oh, I don't know. For about free? <laughs> for free. For free. Yeah. I'm not qualified for this, but hey, I'll do my well, damn hey, best. You're substitute teacher, baby. It's a substitute. Yeah, we're, we're an agent. T- today is the ass. It's the after-school special with substitute teacher, Sleepy Tony. Sleepy Tony. <laughs> Sleepy Tony on the mic you with that the class. is like... <laughs> Oh, that was gross, guys. <laughs> it sounded delicious. It's yeah, grosser than the headphones. Oh. You know what's going to sound grosser is as I sip, because I lied about the energy drinks. I'm going to sip this Nas. Nas. Oh, that's sponsorship. 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 Right? They got it. Sponsor to. alert. Who's sponsoring Nas? Be honest. When no have one. you even heard of Nas before me drinking this all the time in front Fast of Fast and Furious. But it was a completely yeah, the, different. Yeah, the other Nas. Exactly. I never drank one of those things. Have you tried? Do you want to try it? Not at all. It's it's so fucking disgustingly good. Because it tastes like berries. Mm. It's very fruity flavored, but tastes not like. like berries. It's oh. not like. Uh, <laughs> ew. <laughs> that kind of hurt. You know where I got, where I got the, the taste for Nas from? Uh, <laughs> I met. <laughs> I, yeah, that it, one got you good. You got yourself on that one. And you know why? Because he's a giggly guy. He's just a giggly guy. I hate that so much. <laughs> I hate whatever that happens. You always say. Oh my just... God. Anyway, I got to class. Yeah, I, got Nas from, I got Nas from some union guys yeah. who used to do cabling. And one of them was like also a trucker. And he's like, every, every, at every truck stop, this is your best uh, dollar to caffeine ratio. Damn. That's how he explained it. Caffeine that he, ratio. he valued every energy drink on the dollar caffeine ratio wow. that you could get from. Honestly? That's where some... like five hour energy was at the top. Of but course. it's too short. Of course. So he's like, this is what you sip on. He's like, I'll, he's like, I'll take two shots of fire energy and then sip on this. <laughs> wow. Like every couple so hours. A 10-hour energy? Boom. Basically. I used to do that in college. Damn. 15-hour energy? Yeah, you're supposed to. But he's like, you would pour the two half-hour energies into one cup. Yes. Like, don't take them straight from the bottle. He's like, pour it into one little, yes. like, no, that a little a cup. It tastes better that way if you, yeah. like, drink it slow and then drink the Nas. Yeah, I'm, not much, of, I'm not much of an energy drink guy. Or coffee, but. I got to drink coffee now. Stay you have awake, to? Stay awake at work. I can't. You know what the funny thing is? As much as I'm drinking energy drink now, I don't finish a single coffee at work. Hmm. I, I get my mug ready in the morning, and it makes it about three quarters of the way down, and the last quarter I throw out. Wow. Like, over the course of the day, yeah. And I don't have breakfast. I usually have, like, maybe some crackers. Hmm. <laughs> crackers. 
Speaking of crackers, Tony. <laughs> I, was like, I was waiting for that. To Speaking of, <laughs> I looked you right at the eyes as I said I know, it. Too. I was trying not to make eye contact with either Speaking of you. Speaking of crackers, <laughs> he said crackers. Uh, I got one. <laughs> All right, what's up? What's up? What's on this plate today? Well, you tell us, baby. Why are you here? What do you want to talk about? You said you wanted to talk something about some protest, bro. Yeah, protest. Baby. I want to talk protest. to you about white liberals. <laughs> oh God! Let, let me just jump the gun and let's, yeah, hijack gun. whatever you thought was going to go in here, <laughs> yeah. and let's just white liberals, Tony. What because do you white think liberals about? are probably I, the people that piss me off the most. I don't even know what a liberal is. Oh. Do you want to? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Do you know? He, he just I know. Do know. What box. is a white liberal to you? What do you think a white liberal is? Not to you. There's a term. It, it, there's a like a definition. So what? What do you think it is? Uh, I don't want to say the wrong thing. Oh no, you gotta just say it. No, it's fine. You guys explain no, it. No, you explain it. I want to. I'm just a substitute teacher, dude. Yeah, but we got to <laughs> know what you understand in order to correct it. Okay, let's pretend like I don't understand anything. I see, like, to me, like, the, the politics thing of, you know, being this guy, uh, Democrat, Republican, it's just like, it, it gets me lost sometimes. He's like, dark side of the force or just the light side of the force. Can there be a central side of the force? Yeah, that's what I'm saying, you know, just. Okay, do you want me to get started on centrists and why they're the worst human beings on earth? No, no, no. Oh, yeah, you don't want to. No, I'm not. A, I'm not. I don't think I'm a centrist. Thank God. But I wouldn't. I would kick you out. But <laughs> classifying. Just things, to be whatever. clear, I would rather argue with a Nazi than someone who thinks the center is better than the edges. Yeah, it, I'd rather argue with a Nazi. I live any day. on the edge. Got to be behind something, I guess. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Of glory. No, that's that's genuinely it. I'd rather yeah. argue with the Nazi. Yeah. Because at least the Nazi, you know what he's saying. He's telling you straight up, yeah, we got to kill these people, kill those people. And you can be like, hey, let's not. A centrist will be like, I mean. Maybe we can crack eggs. some eggs, yeah. but not right. all eggs. All right. Yeah. Let's start on the uh, white liberal. White liberal. So <laughs> a liberal is a, it, it, it's very, conf like you're right. This whole concept of Democrat and Republican is confusing. And it's because we're kind of taught in America that politics ex exists on this left to right scale. Right. Two-party system. Two-party system. Brutal. There's only two ends. And the Democrats allegedly lived on, live on the left and the Republicans on the right. Allegedly. Allegedly. And then liberals allegedly are to the left, right? And they're the more the progressive side. With right? the Democrats. With the Democrats. Right. Uh, and currently, like, most Democrats are liberals. That's really what it boils down to. True. So, but the difference is, whereas a progressive will say, hey, we should change these laws so that they're better. The liberal, the white liberal is the person who kind of has some things to the left, but is mostly about stability, staying with the status quo, except for the parts that affect them negatively. So very, very much someone that's very, you know, conservative for what affects him, he goes to the left. So a perfect example is uh, oh, a white liberal. A white liberal likes Andrew Yang a lot. A white liberal loves, well, Joe Biden, for example. A white liberal is, is more, they care more about like, let's defeat Trump because Trump bad guy than Trump's policy and like the policies he represents and these ideas that he represents are horrible, right? Mm -hmm. That's not what they're saying. They're just saying like, we need to beat Trump, right? So the, the that's where the difference really comes in. Or a best example of a white liberal is Barack Obama. Coon. Coon Coon. Because Barack yeah, Obama yes, I said it. I don't know. Well, Barack Obama, for example, like is to the right of Ronald Reagan when it comes to healthcare. 
he is to the right of Donald Trump when it comes to releasing the National Guard on protesters, right? Like, Barack Obama actually has very... He's to the right of most presidents on bombing the shit out of the Middle East. So let's say with all the protests that are have been going on, and the one we've been going, Tony, you've been with us, what would Barack Obama do in a case like this? You asking me? Yeah. Well, I'm just putting the question out there. Yeah. yeah I, Sometimes I, I believe I'm Joe Rogan just asking questions. <laughs> <laughs> Please don't. I don't know what he would do. Oh, Marcel, what would he do? So Barack Obama would do what he did in Ferguson. And is the night, the first night that those BLM protests were happening for George Floyd, he would have called the National Guard. Directly the first night. superseded all of local state so government he, he, and just been like, he would stop it. But his focus would to be to take down like the looters and the destruction and that kind of thing. No. Or no. Stop the whole thing. Stop the whole thing. Because, and this is the key to the white liberal and the white liberal mentality. And do you hear when people try to say like uh, the concept of just like, well, you're being too violent. Your, your words are too offensive. You have to f- discourse in the right way. The white liberal cares more about the looks yeah. of how good things are versus how they actually are. So they like presenting the problem. Oh, there is evil. But when someone wants to do something against that evil, they're against that because they just want to point out the problem instead of actually taking action yeah. and doing something. So a good example is a white liberal goes, awesome, they're taking on Jemima down and the statues are being taken down by the government. And that's, da, da, da. that's great. And it's like, all right, that's irrelevant though. That doesn't now let's defund the police. Whoa, 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 whoa. Defund the police, bro? Whoa, you can't just defund the police. By defund the police, we actually mean uh, lower their budgets and monitor them more and then like actually reinforce the police with better policing. Exactly. So put all these clauses and like a movement, they seeing the defunding of the police very just like, no, 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 whoa, whoa. We can't just do that. They still have capital. They still have something that they're losing by defunding. We should reestablish and readjust, but these reestablishing and readjustments are not, you know, the solution. If you have a building, uh, Tony, right? And there's something wrong with the foundations of that building. How much can you truly do to that building to keep it up instead of like just going demolish it down and just restart? Yeah, I guess the idea, you know, take it down, start from the beginning and from the foundation. Yeah, mm-hmm. if there's a problem in the foundation, right? And this is, I mean, it's rotten. It's running in the foundation, right? It's right. going to fall over. What can you do? Are you going to try to mend it? Are we going to try to like do like the Tower of Pisa kind of thing and just like let it lean? Mm. Or should we have said, no, no, no. This is going to lean. This is going to topple over at some time. We should cut it down and restart. Mm. Yeah. And that's what they're scared of. They're scared of that change because it does affect them. And it and inherently like affects a lot of what they're doing. It seems like a lot more work at first, which is, I guess, the scary part. Mm. But in the long term, it's better for society. Yeah, well, that's the thing. Change never happened from day to from one day to the other, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, that's just the reality of it. The white liberals' key thought is, uh, if you if we do real revolution and we burn down the house, where should we sleep tonight? Mm. We sleep in the fucking streets. It sucks. I know it sucks, but it's better than having the, you have to burn down the house. Right. There's no choice. Yeah. So. Having been on protest with us, because I want, I do want to circle that back. Yeah. So we went to one in your show. We went to one in right the square. Hey, full and circle. <laughs> I want full you circle. to compare uh, the first protest you went to with us and your show. What was your experience? Yeah, that was 
I didn't know what to expect at first. Honestly, when we were walking out of the car, you guys had your little painted signs that were like, burn the pigs. <laughs> like, yeah. really seemingly brutal stuff. And I was like, man, I don't know what I'm getting myself into. But uh, when we got there and it started and there was like hundreds of people around, it was really such a beautiful thing. Like, immediately changed my opinion on a lot of things that were going around. And up to that point, until the couple of days leading up to when we went to the first protest, when everything started kicking off with the riots. Honestly, like I had not really realized what this whole movement was about. Like I'm from upstate. I'm from a small, predominantly white town, mm. 3,000 people. Um, I just wasn't exposed to like the lifestyles that other people were living. And, uh, you know, it wasn't until college when I went to, you know, school with you guys. Slightly more diverse than what I'm from. Mm-hmm. I started seeing it is the Bronx it's the Bronx baby and with our fraternity and things like that like I was put around a bunch of different types of people and I could really learn like what their lives were like and things like that so that started opening my mind a little bit more and then you know Marcelo you explaining me a lot of the situations that were happening and just get into that first protest like I was like man like if I'm blind to this Imagine how many other millions of Americans are blind to what's going on. And I think all it takes is a simple open your ears and just listen for a second just to see what's happening, you know? Okay. So I want you that now, before I dive into that, I want you to describe the beginning part of the Union Square protests. Uh, That was the one where we started. Uh, Yeah. I want to, at least until we got onto the front of the Trump building where everything, when we, when we, Orchestrated the switch up because that was yeah. when we all like helped out to get the switch up happening. Yeah, so the, the first press protest we went to in New Rochelle, we showed up and there was like order, like people were there protesting for a reason, and you know I think the root cause of that was it was organized and led by a group of black people from the community who were predominant in that community. You yeah. know, so they knew what they were fighting for. They had a clear plan, and right when we got there, you know, they walked up to the front of, what was that, like the… The city hall. City City hall. Hall. They got up there. People came up and spoke. They were extremely passionate. Like, there was some sort of order, and then we marched on. Yeah. And the people who were speaking, like, a lot of them, uh, I even… Because I'm not from that community, but they barely had to introduce themselves. Oh, They were known. Oh, they were known. They were known in their community. They even pointed out, like, I know they pointed out one police officer who was also black, but he was like, that's our only good cop. And that's because we know him because he fights for us because he's working with us as the community organizers. Right. Blah, 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 blah. And uh, a little side note, like the most eye-opening part of it and the most beautiful thing for me was just, we were up in the front row so I could like see these people's faces and uh, they were young. Mm -hmm. They were kids still in college, like younger than me, younger than you, getting up in front of a group of 500 people that they didn't know talking about something, you know, close to their hearts, something they've been living with their, with their whole lives. And they didn't have any note cards. They didn't have any teleprompters. They weren't reciting a speech. They just spoke from the heart, man. And yeah. you could fucking feel that in the crowd and everybody could feel that. And uh, I was blown away. I, I couldn't believe the things that, you know, how they were saying it, what they were saying. And uh, those are the kind of leaders that, we need in our communities is exactly mm-hmm. those people that we saw that day, you know, it's amazing. And then, uh, so I guess 
to flip-flop back to the Union Square protests, like we showed up, we we were all in our gear. We, we've been like showing up in our matching like outfits. Yeah. We had all of our signs ready and we showed up ready for like another big march, like another kind of like fight like we did mm -hmm. that time. In New Rochelle, we marched in the rain. We marched down the block. People were chanting. Yeah. People were screaming. People came out of their houses. People came out of their houses. And we know. show up to Union Square. We didn't even know where the protest was at first. And then slowly people started gathering more and more. And it was just a bunch of white people. And we stood around for like probably 20, 30 minutes. <laughs> and mm -hmm. we were all yeah. looking at each other like, wait, wait, take a picture of me. I want to post it on yeah, Instagram. Oh, there were a lot oh of, my God. I hated that because I, I, as much as my sign was great, my black Renaissance sign looked great, was a great idea and all that. And with the other side saying, wake up. Just constant. Can I no? Can I get a picture with it? It's yeah. Just, if you're gonna take a picture, take it from over the fucking there. Like, don't uh, fucking get in my face about it. Right. So people are just like getting their photo ops in. At first is what it seemed like, and I like we were all pretty turned off. Like, man, like what are we gonna do? We, we were ready to start something, and then yeah. luckily, like a group of kids said we need all the loudest people to the front, and then that's when things took action. You know, and my hopes were really low. Our energy was really low until. Those people took charge, which is not the easiest thing to do, getting in front of all those people and yeah. organizing all those people. Yeah. And uh we and were it was in, a few thousand, it was a thousand of us oh, at least by this point. Sure. It was it was still very small, quote unquote, for right. what it ended up being. Yeah. Starting but it was at, still easily a thousand people. Starting at Union Square, it only seemed like a couple hundred people and no one was doing anything. But by the time we started going and marching mm -hmm. and we were in the front helping lead the chants and things like that, after like 20, 30 minutes of walking, you turned around. And you could not see the end of the crowd. Mm -hmm. Like, it was amazing. I've never seen that many people in the streets in New York City ever, obviously, because that doesn't happen. And uh, that's when things started picking up and, and going forward. So, wait, Morph, what do you feel like, what is the point of doing the march in the city? What is the whole, like, point of it? Yeah, like I just said, it's like, you would never see that many people in a New to York City street. disrupt the system, right? To yeah, exactly. The, so, you know, we're, we're blocking traffic, blocking. which is Now, the point. a big problem right before the people who are leading it. And the thing is... The people you, who jumped in Who jumped to in to lead. Yeah. It's good to be loud, but it's good to be loud with conviction. You need to have conviction. You need to yeah. know what you're doing and you need to be educated in what you're doing and the reasons you're doing it for. A lot of the things, they were like trying to stop at the red light. They were trying to yeah. go through like alternative routes. Yep. And that is not the point of the march. The yeah. whole point of the right. march is to disrupt people's day, yeah. to make them realize what's going on right in their fucking lawn. Yeah. That's the whole yeah. point of the march. Mm -hmm. And that's a white liberal. Yeah. That's the white liberal that's like saying, hey, let's march. Let's yell all this good stuff for the people, by yeah. the people. But shit, we're fucking with other people's day. No, no, no. We can't do that. Right. No. Nah, the hey. whole point of it is to disrupt the system. Exactly. And so to bring it back, right? Like at first, that seems a little uncomfortable. Like, oh, you're, you're hurting these people's days and things like that. You're ruining someone's day. But it's like, okay, that's the point right there is like there are people out there that are hurting. The black community is hurting. Their whole lives have been affected by this. You know, and that's what I think people are missing out. And. Even me at first when, you know, I heard, oh, there's looting, there's protesters in the street. I was like, oh, man, maybe that isn't the best thing. But, like, people are hurting. Mm -hmm. They're fucking hurt. What else are you going to do, you know? Well, my, Guillermo, what's your favorite chant? Your favorite uh, protest chant? What do we want? Oh, my God. What do we want? 
Justice. Justice. And we don't even want it. Now. And if we don't get it, Marcelo. Shut it down. But if we don't get it. Shut it down. If we don't get it. Shut it down. We had the most awful conversation with a couple of people saying that they went out to protest. <laughs> and they had the so benefit. much fun. They had so much fun. I love protesting. Oh, my God. If you don't get it, if we don't get it. Shut, shut it, it down. down. <laughs> shut it down. Shut the fuck up. You're not going for the fucking movement. You're going to the fucking moment. You're living the the fucking moment you're not thinking about the reality of the situation that's going on yeah. and the repercussions of your stupid fucking actions they're like oh we were eating some block and we just heard it and they're like oh if we don't get it shut it down yes <laughs> well that's and that's my thing with the union square one so there were two points to the marching there was the beginning part yeah. up until we got to columbus circle in front of trump tower and then there was that second part yeah and the like like you're most saying at the beginning part we're stopping at these red lights now when we did the second knee that a lot of people, because we were in the front and a lot of people start taking pictures again. And, you know, obviously, because remember, I have the sign that says, wake up on one side, black renaissance on the other. And I noticed like people getting right around it to get that shot of like the crowd with the wake up. And I had uh, I had to turn to the black renaissance side and a photographer signals to me to turn it around. And I don't turn around. I'm like, I'm not here for your fucking photo op, my guy. Yeah, I'm, here for your yeah. I'm not here to, to have it say wake up. No, show the black renaissance. Why do you want to show the black renaissance sign? Because wake up looks better. That's It's about both things. Yeah. So it doesn't yeah. matter which one you get. Right. You just care about you the shot. You get. Yeah. You yeah. get what you get. You care about the shot, not about the actual movement. Right. So why was the photographer there? I'm just going to get some cool shots, try yeah. to sell them to a New York Times. Maybe get some money out of this. Yeah. Oh, wait, what's going clout. on? Get some clout. Yeah. Oh, wait. Monkey escaped the zoo. They're just running around. Let me take some pictures of that. Let sell it to a New York Times. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, Fuck I- me. I think it's also good just to, I mean, yeah, that guy getting you to get the right side of your sign, whatever, that's messed up. But it is important for those people to, like, document the history and what's going on. And that's what, like, yeah. you know, we were taking photos and things, too. But I guess we were more taking them in the moment to capture what was going on, yeah. not yeah. for, like, having a sign for propaganda yeah. or whatever. Well, that's, I think, the difference right there. That's why. I, but that was when I started to get a little bit annoyed. And then… Uh, I was getting annoyed at how like repetitive they were using the same chants instead of oh, switching yeah, it up. Yeah, we're using the same chants. Uh, and I think, you know, no offense to that little lady that was leading the chants, but oh, like… Oh my god. I'm so man. glad that megaphone was taken away yeah. from her. And this is the part… So this is what I wanted to get at. Right until then, we're being led by typical white liberals. Like we're stopping at these red lights. At one point, they want to take us into a side street. Finally, when we got the bike… That was happening right when we got the bikes to the front. And I remember saying like, no… Keep the bikes in the front. Have them direct traffic. That's the whole point of having all the people skateboarding and on bikes. Because they can body block traffic and reorganize. Okay, so then we keep going. We get to Trump Trump Tower. And then they said, let's take a knee in front of Trump Tower. Mm. Well, no, wait. Right before that. Wait. Actually, right before that, we're in front of Columbus Circle. And we're taking a knee again. And this is something I I kept pissing me off. So cringe. I get sit down. Sitting down helps because it helps carry the voice. Taking a knee everywhere is not what's important here. Yeah. In general, taking the knee bullshit needed to stop. Yeah. But anyway, but then she said to that that other to the black guy next to her, like, oh yeah, you're what is it like? No, well, the cringe part was like there was a small white lady with a microphone. She was leading everything. And she was like, I just want to shout out my friends who had to go home because of a migraine. And uh, you know, shout out to her and this and this. And one of the black guys was trying to take the megaphone to yeah. like, you know, get shit going. And she was like, you're interrupting me. Please stop. I don't like your vibes. And I was like, oh, oh yeah. yeah. That's when I was so like, cringe. That, that's literally uh, a privilege check. 
Yeah. Uh, privilege check right super there. Super privilege check. And yeah. It's like, shit, you, do, you have the money to spend on this megaphone and yeah. you think you can use it because you bought it and you think you're right? Everything that you say is right? No. Oh my God. Give it to other people. Give a chance to other people to talk. Who the fuck is killing your vibe? It's not your vibe. Yeah. Like, yeah. eat a fucking bag of yeah, you know what's so killing, You know what's killing a lot of people's vibes? The police. <laughs> actually murdering people. You're killing my vibe, yeah, bro. it was insane. But then, that was the good switch up, right? Like, we finally got to Trump Towers. And people were saying, take a knee again. And I remember there was, like, some distinct confusion in the crowd. And you were, like… Oh, I was livid. You I was pissed. fucking livid. There was another group of, like, black people who were getting yeah, the really The black upset. lady was the other person who said at the same time and as me. We're like, take, what do you mean by take a knee? Why and you the can, fuck? Yeah, why take a knee in front of Trump Towers? Like, like we're surrendering. Like, that's what yeah. you do when you surrender. Yeah. yeah. And, like, this poor lady, she didn't even have a microphone, but she was screaming, like, you could hear it from yeah. her chest. Like, she was fucking pissed. Yeah. So then, yeah. at that point, then, the people, the, there was this white dude in the front who was, he was one of the people who had said, like, uh, hey, let's get the loudest people in the front. And he's like, no, we need to, he says, no, we need to move because, um, God. This is starting to get violent. They're starting, you can't confront the cops like that. And I go, there's nothing objectively, there's nothing objectively violent about what she's doing. Yeah. She's screaming. You're right. Yeah, that may yeah. suck. It may be loud, but she's not being violent. She hasn't said, I'm going to fucking murder a cop. I haven't thrown right. a Molotov at them. Yeah, like, I, nobody's saying I'm going to freaking do anything to the cop. And she wasn't even screaming at the cop. She was screaming at the other lady. And she was just being loud because the other lady has a fucking megaphone. Exactly. Right? Exactly. And and well, then I said, I specifically had to say, I remember, because I, I you, you got to think about your wording here. And I specifically go, have you thought about maybe we listen to the angry black woman yeah, who's yeah. talking right now? And his face was like, oh, shit. He had that face of like, yeah, right, that's a privilege right. check. Yeah, that changed that guy up real quick. And then that's what <laughs> he I apologized think, to me, and he apologized. The other girl apologized to me too. They were like, "Oh, I'm sorry. I guess we did." It. Uh, and they were like getting all up in there, and it's like, "Don't apologize. Just fucking pay attention." Yeah. Now, now I think they get it. Yeah. And I think when you said that, a lot of people around us understood, and they all stood up, and then mm -hmm. we were chanting, you know, to get, try and get the police to knee with us, and of course, they didn't. <laughs> yeah. Oh, they <laughs> they then, were pressed uh, though, because that their, yeah. their commanding officer had to come up to them. Oh yeah, they were looking Fuck scared. Fuck the police. And then so the great thing after that is once we started moving along again, this uh, a young black guy took over and he he did an that amazing a, job. That was he so, did an incredible. The job. The only thing good I did that day, I'm proud of, is the fact that. Uh, I ran to the front to get them to stop. And then he comes up because I was like, you guys get to the front. And he goes like, oh, can you get them to stop in the front? So I'm like, yeah. So I run to the front, get them to stop. And he goes like, all right, who's running this? I'm like, bro, you need to run this. Yeah. You obviously are yeah. good at this. Yeah. And that and was the march went amazing dude, from there on. Again, another young person. I think he said he was still in college. Mm -hmm. Showing up. He was younger than me. I'm pretty sure he said he was like 23. Yeah. Showing up, being a leader. Guiding a whole entire group of maybe thousands of people. Yeah, through at this the point, streets. we were like four or five blocks worth of people yeah. on, and, on uh, like an avenue. The amazing thing he was doing was instead of, you know, doing the, the chants like, shut it down, like whatever, mm -hmm. the same stuff that go, gets boring. Wake up, he, wake up. Yeah, he's having us chant things. First of all, chants we haven't heard before, yeah. but he's also having us chant facts and statistics mm -hmm. yeah. about yep. police. Mike, check. And what's going on in the communities. And the whole point of that is he's saying it. We're taking it in. We're thinking about it. And we're saying it back. Yeah. So all the people in the crowd, you know, they're going along chanting it. But the information is getting through them properly. The people's mic, baby. The power of the people's, people's mic. Mic check, mic check. The people's mic is a technique I didn't know before. And yeah. uh, it's really, it's yeah, really I like good. That. 
And so, yeah, we it is. we kept going through the streets. He was chanting some amazing things like getting money back into the communities, mm-hmm. giving back, all statistics about um, like police violence and things like this. And uh, when he sat us down, uh, we were we were like almost we were in the north. Square. We were in the northeast corner of Port Authority, so Eighth and Forty Second. And we were like four blocks worth of people. And when he he's he sat us down for like an hour, but I, I love that the first thing he said was, Have has anybody noticed that up until now, no police has had riot gear? But the moment we've sat down now down here, now they have their riot gear ready. Now they're ready to hurt us and beat us when we're just a crowd of people sitting on the yeah. floor. And it's like, Yeah, that's all facts. So spooky. And you then know? yeah, we we stopped there and he gave another amazing speech and he held everyone's attention and brought up some amazing points. And uh, that's what it's all about, you know, just hearing these people and what's going on and uh, having people listen. Yeah. It was good stuff. Really good stuff. I think the reason I guess I started off with the the whole white liberal thing is just so I think it's really important. Like you're saying, a lot of this political stuff is confusing and it's built to be that way. Right. Um, And the reasoning is because in that confusion, you can obscure a lot of bullshit and a lot of people who want to stay in power can stay in power while making you think that you are in the right. It's mm. false illusions. Is the perception of uh, a free will to an extent? I, I don't I wouldn't say it's that, but I would say it's the perception that you're in the morally correct side. Because I yeah. do think that everyone thinks at least people are still stuck in the conventional political wisdoms, both Democrat and conservative and Republican in like the conventional ways. I do think that they believe that they are on a morally correct side. Yeah. Oh, and that's yeah. the problem. Well, that's the thing. They have to believe that it's deep, it's bedded right deep into their belief system. Because if not, why would they be saying personal gain? Maybe. I don't know. Mm. Yeah. And I think that speaks to a, a point of that's been going around on social media a lot now is like, when did caring for people become like a political issue? You know, people wearing masks, for example, uh, people listening to the black community. It's like, it's everyone makes it out to be this big political issue, but it's just like human rights. People are hurting. People are dying. And in both cases, wearing a mask saves people, saves people's lives going to a protest and listening and understanding what's going on in the community can indirectly save someone's life just yeah. by, you know, understanding what's going on around you. I just think that it's because we've become such a political society, period. You know, like, the biggest thing in your life is the government, right? And to the full extent that they reach is obscene, and it's hard to accept. Mm-hmm. And we're getting taught, uh, and this is where political theory, conventional, like that conventional political theory is failing, because People on the right, on the conservative side, a lot of the time try to state this thing about small government. And it's an absurd concept when you think about it, right? Because all the laws that they want objectively make government bigger, but then they say we want less interaction of government. Yeah. Hmm. So what is it? You want more government or less government? Yeah, it's inherently all the laws that they want want more government. I mean, look, you know, it's we got to agree here that politics are brought into everything. It is true that we don't really want to talk to, like, consider that politics, uh, in a sense, rule the world. But they do. They do. As Michelle was saying, every they decision do. they make is a policy. It's something. I mean, on Instagram, Nasty Feminism posted, like, a post from um, 
what is it from a, a Twitter? Twitter, person? yeah, from yeah. a Twitter. Uh, the Twitter is uh, Hand Stephanie. It's a white picture of a white girl. Uh, by the way, Black Lives Matter isn't political. Black lives are not politics. You have no reason to be afraid to voice your concerns about racism because I don't get political on social media. You're just not comfortable with speaking out about racism, and that's inherently racist. Hmm. See, and this is where I say, like, that's because this is a person talking from a place where political, conventional political theory is failing that person. Because while she's saying is right, like that little ending bit of not talking about racism is racist, right? Because you don't want to talk about something that's upsetting you, blah, blah, blah. Well, that is true. Black lives are political, right? In if, the system that we have now. In, yeah, in general. Well, yes, because, well, the term, like, I'm not black genetically, mother. Like, that's not how that works, right? You can't find the fucking gene that makes me black. You can't. We have more in common than, you, than everybody likes to admit. Most people are mostly mixed, right? What is it? Like, in, uh, 30, uh, what, most African Americans in America 30, uh, have at least 30% of their ancestry from European origin. So it's like, how black actually is everybody? Most like everybody on the planet is black, period. And then most people are some kind of mix therein. So inherently, like the concept of black or Hispanic, I mean, Hispanic didn't exist until Ronald Reagan, right? Yeah. You couldn't sign Hispanic on a census. <laughs> so I'm not Hispanic because of that's my DNA. I'm Hispanic because that's a political category to put me in that's convenient. Because right. right? it was easier to gather the collective under one umbrella term. Right. And we right. talked to our friend Natalia about this on how even the word and the islands and everywhere else, the word Taino is used for that. What does Ta that mean? Taino was, is the collective currently. term currently used to describe all the natives from the island. Hmm. But they're different groups. It's like just saying Native American, but you have the Sioux, you have the Blackfeet, you have the all these different like yeah. entities, right? So they just collectively just grabbed them all and said Taino. And Taino was just a word that they, the, the it's native word that means brave, right? It's a word that they used to describe themselves mm -hmm. because they were being brave as when they were like fighting against these like people. Now, it's a word from their language used against them to put them all in one category. Right, right. Yeah, it's crazy. It's like saying the American Indian as though there weren't like hundreds of tribes. And then a lot of those tribes, you know, some of them never ever communicated with others. So how would they even be related? Different languages. Yeah, different, different languages, yeah, different yeah. everything. Different and we just put so they're all the same, right? Yeah. Uh, Wild stuff. Yeah, and it, it, like that whole thing of, we have to accept that it's all political, right? Like if we wanted politically, we could solve so many of our problems like this. That's it. It's done. We just have to agree on a solution. Mm. But we choose politically to have these designations for arbitrary reasons. Not, I mean, I wouldn't say arbitrary. I'm saying that they they exist in an arbitrary sense. We obviously they're made for the benefit of some people over others. Right. Right. But just the same, you know, just the same way that we did that, we could just choose arbitrarily to make new rules. And these new rules suddenly benefit everybody, right? Yeah. Everything's made up. I can just fucking <laughs> erase it. Everything's made up. <laughs> yeah, everything's made up. <laughs> we just a, baby, a baby made it up. Look at Trump. Big baby. Yeah. Making all, all these different things. He, could just, he just made them up. Yeah. I could just make up shit too. Yeah, we just need to change people's minds. That's it. It's like... <laughs> well, it's... Uh, especially to an extent. Sense. I agree to an extent. Yeah. I don't, yeah, I don't. To I don't an extent, know, you can like educate, but to an extent, there something needs to be done. Something physically needs to be done. We can educate all we want, but with that education, needs to be a purpose. Right. Right. 
Right. You are getting yourself educated in college to the purpose of getting your degree. We're educating the masses of what's going on to what purpose. What is the purpose that we're trying to get on? And it's that change, that radical change that people don't really want to talk about. But that's what we have to. Right. And that's what education is going to lead to. Right. And what needs to lead to in order for there to be a fucking change. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Got to change the rules and the system altogether. And again, it's about a large part of it is not being afraid about politics and accepting. Because I'm a good example. I used to think I was a capitalist. And then I realized that to be a capitalist, ultimately, you have to have capital. And right now, for example, at this table, I mean, Tony, unless you own any land that I don't know of, uh, none of us are really capitalists. Most human beings don't own land. Almost all human beings on the planet do not own the land, right? Most like the government our, owns the land. Most of us are struggling to pay rent. <laughs> we don't own anything. You, know, you, kind, you think you own your house, but don't you pay taxes on that? Oh, yeah. I so don't do know. you own Shit. it? It's, if you stop paying your taxes, the government's going to come at you real quick about oh, your yeah. house, oh, how yeah. it's not yours. Oh, yeah. So wh who really owns those things? True. It ain't us. So how and I, so again I used to be a really big defender capitalism will win it's this this and that and then you know the system has a way to fix itself yeah oh yeah fix itself fix it should we but, talk about our man's Dave Chappelle Dave Chappelle ooh oh, yeah the Chappelle show baby should we talk about his uh, eight minute and forty six seconds yeah because the last time we talked I, I was listening back and uh, we were saying you guys were like. Yeah, you gotta watch Dave Chappelle's new stand-up. And I was like, oh, so it's funny. And you're like, no, it's no, not it's funny. Not. Oh, it's, it's very not, funny. It's it so is very funny. Reality is fun. <laughs> <laughs> you guys were like, it's not funny. I was like, I, I was like, I don't understand why is it not funny. And you were like, But it's just, Dave Chappelle. Yeah, it's Dave he Chappelle. He saves and he rapes. And you were like, no, it's, it's not funny. And I didn't understand saves. until I watched it. Mm -hmm. What do you think? It's not funny. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, Dave Chappelle's not funny, but he's a comedian. Oh my god! It, but that's that's another thing people need to watch. Like, if you support Dave Chappelle at all, or if wh whoever, whatever, just I, I don't like Dave Chappelle. He brings out things that are are too harsh, too sensitive. I'm, it's too harsh, and uh, you know. Reality slaps me in the head every time I listen to Dave Chappelle, and uh, it reminds me of how fucked up and bad the world is. So I rather yeah. not. I rather just forget that the that exists. But uh, that is just my point of view here. Um, uh, yeah, so I, I'm glad you guys told me to watch that because I get it. <laughs> I get it now. I and, get uh, it. There, there was a couple cool thing. I mean, the whole thing was very uh, informative, and again, the man just speaking from his heart. And you can tell. Mm -hmm. You just got to watch it. Um, it hurts. It's pain. Yeah. It's... The guy's in pain. There's a, there's a lady who says it the best. And it's like the heart, the strongest part of this whole movement. And as has been with the civil rights movement and all of these movements in general, as they've succeeded over time in history, the ruling class knows for a fact that the anger is justified. Mm-hmm. And it's the recognition of that anger that they can't have. Because to accept that the anger of especially black Americans, like other minorities, yes. But in this case, it's especially African Americans. Yeah. Is so fucking justified. Yeah. To them, is it's a threat. It's an inherent threat to their way of existence. Yeah. 
Uh, should we talk about like a couple parts of? Yeah, no, yeah, spoiling it's it. It's been a long time. Yeah, uh, if you haven't watched it, watch it. Too now. bad. <laughs> you should have paused this. Pause go, this. Wait, pause this. Go back to the episode we would talk with Ethan and Tony. Re-listen to that again, so we get that extra listen. Then become a patron. <laughs> then have to become a patron. Go yeah, on to YouTube and search up his stand-up. Yeah, and then come back and re-listen to this again. Yeah, but from zero, so we get the extra v- listen. Right, yeah, right, yeah, yeah. and share it with your friends. <laughs> like, subscribe, share. Become a patron. Leave a comment below. Uh, The first thing that, you know, there's a couple major things that I thought people need to hear. The first one was that lady on Facebook. I forget her name, but if you just watched 8 minutes and 46 seconds, he calls her the C word in abundant and a deservingly amount of times. Yeah. You know, do you know her name? Candace Owens? Yeah, that's who it is. He's talking about Candace Owens. Yeah. Oh my God. That, I like… So I saw her video on Facebook and I sat down to watch it just because… It's rough. It's rough. So bad. I saw it had like probably 70 million views by the time I got around to it. Mm -hmm. Tons of comments. All the comments were white people praising praising this black woman about she needs to run for office. White people praising this coon? (laughs) If you put it that way. I like how… Wait, this is our second guest. We've said coon in front of them. They're just like… I can't really say that. I can't really say that. Um, I appreciate you not wanting to say it. I appreciate you. Whatever. (laughs) Whatever she is. Um, And so that… That's what intrigued me at first was I was like, wow, all of these white people supporting this black woman, you know, she must have something really great to say. Started watching it and of course… She didn't have anything great to say. She was saying exactly what all of these people wanted to hear. You know, that she's saying George Floyd isn't a hero. (laughs) She's saying George Floyd isn't a hero. He's a criminal. He did horrible things. Why are we praising him? Like… Why are we praising praising you, bitch? What the… I gotta say… I gotta say… Quick pause. I love the fact that if any given point in their life… Any minority does anything… Ever. They're complete trash. Fucking human scumfuck. Period. But any white person recovers from any type of addiction, any type of crime, gets out of jail, makes a thing out of themselves, makes a life out of themselves, whatever it is. You know, we've had presidents who've been, have had violent DWIs. We have most police, 40% of police officers beat their wives. All these kinds of horrible things. But as long as it's not a black person doing it, it is a success story. And they're heroes. And they're fucking they, heroes. They oh, and you know what? God. They had a checkered past because who doesn't have a checkered past? Yeah. Except for blacks because blacks' checkered past makes them scum fucks. Like, fuck that woman so much. Yeah, so the thing is, right, like she starts listing off, which this this is what intrigues me, right? She's like, he's a criminal. He's this and that. So I'm like, all right, bitch. Like, what do you have to say? This, you know, maybe he was a bad person. I don't know much about him, but I know he died. <laughs> In a horrible fashion in front of everybody saw it online, which is another insane thing that we can watch someone die in front of our eyes online like it's nothing. Yeah. People forget that pigs are heavy. (laughs) And when a pig tramples your neck, you're most likely going to die. And and this fucking video was for eight minutes and 46 seconds. And it got past her. Like, that's what. How can you. how, How have we gotten to a point where you can watch somebody be murdered online and just get pass it around like it's nothing, yeah. you know? Like it, uh whatever. Yeah. Like it's insane. But she starts listing off all of these things that he did and she's, you know, saying he was in possession of cocaine once. Possession of cocaine again. Possession of a cane a third time. 
fourth time when the police got him on the day that he died, he was acting a little funny. Like if, if you, if you pay attention to what's going on and what the movement is about, like you see, this is the problem that this man was a struggling drug addict. He was placed in and just a, just a quick pause right there. So he was found with trace amounts of fentanyl and methamphetamine, which the were both relevant to medications he was taking. Because they what they don't like to say is that the trace amounts were like in micrograms, which wow. is like yeah, yeah, in the amounts of the medication that he had prescribed to him. So, so there's yeah. that too. The way she's making it out to seem is like this guy is a horrible drug addict. Like he's addicted to coke. He has coke on him all the time. Which <laughs> I, I know tons of white people who. <laughs> Do oh no, but that's that's fine. And then you just got cool. a little slap in the wrist. And it, yeah. mm-hmm. Oh my um, god, bro, you're so cool. You do blow, right? But this is this is what the movement is about. Is like this guy is living in in a society where he you know drugs are pumped into these poor communities, and mm-hmm. he clearly need needed help. Like the guy got arrested for coke multiple times, and yeah. if he was targeted for you know being black and whatnot, he. he he had a serious drug addiction or something or whatever it was. Yeah. And that's what she's tr- describing to make him look bad. Well, the the cute thing here, the cute thing here, it's that, it's that there's a, it, it's almost like a willful ignorance to just view him. Like you could take anybody and build them only into their negative parts. Right. Yeah, exactly. And it's something that we do. That not we do, but I'm saying that the media especially does and the media purporting these narratives like to do with the victims of these shootings because as a whole, the view that they want to portray is that the police are benevolent. Yeah. The police are great. I mean, the one that hurts, uh, one that like hit, hit me the most, I told Guillermo recently was Tamir Rice would be going to college this year. Mm. He would be Elijah fucking McClain. going Should to college this year. He would be fucking going to college, but a police officer rolled out of his car, didn't say shit, and shot a 12-year-old in the chest three times. Bang, bang, yeah. bang. Fucking like, crazy. just shot a kid dead because down. he had bang, bang. a toy gun. But and, and, like, it's nothing, right? Like, that's yeah. the crazy part. Is and like, saw we, no 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 time in jail or anything like that. Took a child's life. They, had, they didn't have to do anything about it. That was it. That was the end of that. Yeah. And they still try to portray it as this fucking fucking 12-year-old taking off the thing from the toy gun. He deserved yeah. to die. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, that's what I'm saying about this video getting passed around of a poor man getting his life taken. Is like, there, there was no thought, like, no. someone's dying in trouble. Like, when yeah. they shot him, like you just said, a three, how old? Three? Uh, Tamir Rice was yeah. 12. 12, sorry. He's 12 years old, yeah. Um, three gunshots. That's yep. where I got the three number. Three shots, yeah. It's like, bang, you bang, can bang. just murder a kid like that. Like, yeah. Like, it's nothing. Like, it's nothing. No yeah. remorse. No nothing. Just oh kid God. dead. What could have been of him? Just ended. Uh, Story just, done. Yeah. And, and the snap of a finger. Uh, Stephen J. Gold. I, and I'm going to butcher the quote. And I've said it a lot of times to you guys. It is my favorite quote to ever exist. And it's that. His quote is, it's not that I'm uninterested in the weight of the brain of Albert Einstein or the contents or his neurological anything, but that I'm more interested in how many brains of equal measure and, and caliber and intelligence have been lost in every sweatshop and on every slave ship oh, and yeah. in every cotton field in history. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, it's insane. History, all of those very intangible things that we have, 
right? I work in sales and sales, we do this thing where we sell by stories. I sell, sell you a product by the story I make of it, making sure that that's the best product. And that's where we come and we've been talking about how the devil has his own marketing team. We saw that with uh, this woman talking about uh, George Floyd, just painting this story that he's a very bad, evil man. And then you have the story of the kids and you paint the story of the cops being, well, we didn't know he had something that looked like a gun. You know, it's not our fault. He's in a bad neighborhood. He, he shouldn't have a toy gun. You know, we, we tell these stories yeah. to make it easier, to digest information, to dilute it to a point where it becomes fiction. Right. You know, just we just destroy the facts and tear them away. We go from the fact that a kid, a 12-year-old kid who had a future is dead. George Floyd, who has had, has a daughter, his daughter, will never see his dad again. Yeah. All these people that have loved ones. My parents taught me at the beginning when we were like protesting and stuff like that. Guillermo, why the hell would you be going out there? Why would you jeopardize your health? You just came out of surgery. You know, Corona and all this. Come on. I'm like, mom, just like you guys care about me and care for my well-being, all these people that died had someone that cared about them. True. And they're not here to, here to speak. And it's our job to help and speak out for them. Preach it, baby. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> oh, yeah. And that's why I was so fucking annoyed when... The people we had that conversation with told me this whole thing about how I love protesting. And it pissed me off to no end because I personally, I, Marcelo Lopez, have been to a lot of protests and I hate protests. Protesting is tiresome. It is exhausting. Very it is exhausting. Painful. It makes you want to cry on the inside. The fact that very basic things are what you're trying to teach to other people. But do you know why I protest every single time and will go out every single time that I have to? Because I don't have a choice. Yeah. If I didn't go to any of this, and in the future there is no change, and let's be honest, I'm being 100% optimistic, I don't see some extreme changes happening, so yeah. I don't know how this is going to be. Hopefully it's better by the time I have kids, but then I get to have conversations with my children who Hopefully. are going to come out with my skin color about how, just like my dad did with me, you don't look at cops when you pass by them, so you don't fucking get hurt by them. Because that's something that I've been told since I was a little kid going to PS20, living, uh, going to school next to a precinct. My dad told me that all the time. You do not ask cops for help. You ask teachers. You ask any other adult. You do not talk to cops. My dad is the most law-abiding citizen that I know. And he still said that. Do you know why? Because they'll still fucking shoot you. And guess what? They'll still fucking shoot you. The only thing my parents warned me about was... Don't stay out too late. <laughs> don't, don't drink and drive. <laughs> don't do too many drugs. It's like, yeah. there's a whole other fucking world of uh, hurt that people are dealing with. Uh, yeah, my mom told me, don't don't wear your hoodie while driving. Yo, the I remember the first time uh, my parents caught my car smelling like weed. And I had a, like, I didn't have a hoodie on when I was, I actually don't wear hoodies a lot of the time. But I was in my apartment like, I, with them and I had a hoodie on. And my mom fucking almost cried. Yeah. She's like, what if you would have been caught smelling like weed and you have a hoodie on? They would have just shot you right there, this and the other. And it's like, yeah, shit, you're right. Honestly, <laughs> they would have maybe. Crazy. Yeah. yeah. So, Tony, don't go out too late. You might get lost. Marcelo, don't go out too late. You might get shot. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> crazy different thing. Be careful with your friends who you hang out, Tony. Don't be mischievous. Yeah. Don't break stuff. Don't break the rules. Marcelo, be careful who you hang out with. Drugs and all that. They see you guys getting together. They're going to shoot you down. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, it's crazy. Two different worlds. The other crazy, uh, the other cool thing that I thought Dave Chappelle brought up was, uh, you know, like during these times, right? People are looking for, you know, a person like him or artists or people that they look up to, you know, dominant black figures to be there to stand up and say something. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like everyone's yeah. waiting for, when is Dave Chappelle going to say this? And, uh, I follow like a lot of Kendrick Lamar's music and thing like that. And one of my thoughts was like, oh, I wonder what he's saying now. Mm-hmm. And I went to his Instagram page and he doesn't post a lot on social media anyways. And all he had two posts. All the comments are, where are you now? What are you trying to say? What about this? And I was like, man, that is weird that he didn't say something. And then, you know, I thought back and like Dave Chappelle said, and it's blatantly obvious, like people like that and like, Dave Chappelle and Kendrick Lamar have dedicated their whole entire lives mm-hmm. and careers to saying this kind of stuff. Like Kendrick Lamar's To Pimp a Butterfly is exactly what we're still fighting for, the same things and things like that. The People first are still doing- song off of that album samples Every Nigga is a Star, one of, the, one of the first ever black movies. And then the whole point of the black movie is that every nigga is a star. We are not lesser than others. Right. We are... As equal and as great of potential than anybody else. Yeah. And uh, I hate to plug another podcast on your yeah. podcast, but <laughs> maybe they might plug us back. The Dissect Please. Music Podcast, huge podcast on Spotify, like tons of followers. This guy breaks down famous uh, rap albums throughout history. And one of them he does is Kendrick Lamar's Tip at Butterfly. Mm-hmm. And breaking it down, this guy takes like a 45 minute episode and breaks down each song individually. And the way he breaks it down is amazing, but Kendrick Lamar is selling years and years of history in a three-minute song. So it's a lot to break down and digest. But if you sit there and listen to the stories and listen to what he's actually saying, you know, you start to realize like, wow, there is a problem out there that maybe I didn't consider before. Maybe there is a historical uh, meaning behind all of what's happening and things like that that we don't know about. So... Well, the reason I think it is most important, and let's get a little comment here. It's just Marxism rings true. Socialism, communism rings true in this sense, where a a big center point of capitalism is marketing and the market. And there must always be a product, right? So in capitalism, expanding it to the social sense, right? In capitalism, capitalism has to take everything that you need so that it can feed it back to you as like this beautiful product that you have to consume, right? Mm. Whereas within communism, it doesn't exist in that sense. So inherently so in the main actors in capitalism, and you look at this in the sense of like billionaires like Elon Musk and things like that and Jeff Bezos where it's like they need great marketing teams to make them look like these good people, right? A lot of people don't know that Elon Musk is the son of a fucking emerald farmer, in, uh, emerald mine owner in South Africa. Like your dad was literally had slaves in South Africa during apartheid. Yeah, that's where he comes from. Like as great of a person as he might you might think he is, which I don't think he is. Like that's objectively something he's worked to cover up for a reason. On the other hand, in communism, outside of having the the text of it, there is no hail to this leader. Because you can't. Because the leaders must be replaceable. 
the kid we saw at that protest is replaceable with every other kid we saw at all the other protests that we're doing just as good. Mm. But what rings true was not his name because he never said his name one time. What rings true is every statistic and fact that he told you while he was there. Yeah. Yeah. And that is infinitely more replicable. That's the thing. Right. Ideology right. should be the main thing. And it's just, you know, the people are vessels to talk about that. And that leader might be the leader at that moment, but the ideology is still there and it's passed on for another person to come on and take the mantle of talking about this and just keep on moving the ball forward, right? Not getting stuck in their own fucking sauce and just moving it forward, man. Yeah. And I guess that's the cool thing about Kendrick Lamar is like he developed this marketable product, which is his rap songs and his mm-hmm. albums. You know, he, he's a, he was a kid struggling in Compton, one of... I think the poorest city in the U.S. I don't know the fact, but you know you hear Compton, you hear Compton, and you shiver a little bit. It's like, ooh, Compton, you're not supposed to straight out of Compton. That's some white people shit. I'm sorry. (laughs) First uh, of all, only white people shiver specifically. But you know what I mean. And so he he came. He came from this struggle and devoted (laughs) his his whole entire life to make this marketable, tangible product, which is his music, which I'm sure millions of white people are bumping all over the place. Meanwhile. The deeper down layers, mm-hmm. he's spitting facts about what his culture and what his people have gone through, which well, is like I've always a found smack a in great the face. comparison between Good Kid, Mad City, and To Pimp a Butterfly. Because when I, when To Pimp a Butterfly first came out, I still thought Good Kid, Mad City was better, mm. and it's because I didn't take the time to break down a lot of To right. Pimp a Butterfly. Because even without like you're saying without that podcast, when you take the time to listen to it and all the outskirts of it and the lyrics of it. It is a lot. You can tell how deep it is. It has all these lyrics, right? With Good Kid, Mad City, though, as a person who's grown up and and seen that poor those poor neighborhoods and all this, and been in the poor neighborhoods, it's so much infinitely more quickly to relate for me, at least, right? Mm. Because like, yeah, I I knew these kinds of people. I hung out with some of these kinds of people. Mom's gonna hate me for after she hears that. (laughs) Uh, I didn't do those things. Don't worry. But wink, wink, notch, (laughs) notch. But it's like like that. A lot of good kid Man City is relatable in that sense, man. Yeah. And yeah. that's where I, you know, and then I had to actually dive into to understand like that deeper. So even though, even that older product is still such a relatable piece of uh, rap translation. Yeah, I want right. to say. And right. with that being said, you know, it's like we talk about history and how it's been diluted. And you don't know those facts, those cultural facts, right? It's, it's, not, it's not given to you in history because what? I've been repeating this quote from Malcolm X for a while now and how, you know, history is like snow falling off the rooftop, mm-hmm. right? You're only given what the little parts and pieces they want to show you, yeah. right? It's too yeah. much work. That's why it's not relatable. You don't know about it because you weren't taught about it. Yeah. So you have to go back and really dive into it and really analyze it. But you do that usually as an older person or you have, I mean, at least I'd hope so, right? People do that. And yeah. like Coolio said, if they do not understand me, how can they reach me? Because that's an important thing. If you, you know, everything aside, black people only make up 13% of the United States population. And it's really easy for them, which is why it's so important to have allies, to have especially the other minorities like us Hispanics uh, to ally with them and help them because we, this is our struggle too. This is all of the minority struggle. Yeah, um, It's so important for us because... They, they can't do it by themselves. Mm-hmm. It's not possible. Mm-hmm. And if we don't try to understand each other, how are we going to ever help each other? If we don't help each other, we can't all get up. Yeah. We, 
we got to understand and we don't understand and we got to have, you know, we got to make sure that we listen and we need to make the collective effort to make the change. Because right. the change, as we've been talking about, comes with education and the change comes in your mind first. And you use this in your video, um, how the revolution will not be televised. Oh, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Where's the change going to become? Or where, where's the change going to come from? Starts in, your in the mind. mind. That's where it starts. Mm -hmm. And then from there, you got to move on and pass it. It's like bees. We're all trying to work together. It's like ants. We're all working collective. The collective, it's what's going to help move the ball forward. And yeah. this sounds Hopefully. a lot like the C word. Like, you know, like the little communism word? Well, I mean, look, <laughs> I hope we get onto this. In, in, in another podcast, we have to dive into how the card says moops. And the I, the difference between left wing and right wing ideologies, especially in the United States. Yeah, I would, I would need to do more research on that. I, I got I gotta send you some videos to help you <laughs> out. But what I want to get into is just like a lot of people think that it's us versus the world, like me as in you yourself versus the world, mm -hmm. or maybe all you got is your family. It's only blood that matters, or this one small group. The only reason we exist as realistically the most hyper-fast evolution, evolution species that we know, the most technology advanced, taking over the whole planet and all this shit, it's because we exclusively try to work together. Right. There's nothing about the human existence that, state, that shows, that proves that us going against each other is better. Objectively, everyone working together always yields the best possible results. Yeah. Yeah, well, That's how our entire species is created. Well, we go back, for example... If you go back in history and you go back at the dark ages, at the dark ages, who was it? You know, they just didn't believe in all these technological advances from the East. All this fucking... Um, the golden age of Islam. The golden yeah, the golden of age of Islam. That's a lot of people. I hate that shit. A lot of people will be like, yeah, the, the Renaissance, the Renaissance. The Renaissance exclusively existed as a, as like, not exclusively, because there was a but a large byproduct of it. Uh, sorry, it, it's become a. It was a large byproduct of the Golden Age of Islam. They built on everything that happened during the Golden Age of Islam. Mm, all medicine. of fucking yeah, all of medicine, a large part of of mathematics, a large part of calculus. Like, what do you think all this shit came from? We decided not to work with each other. You know, condemn them as just being different, and we shouldn't hear them, and we shouldn't talk to them, and. It led to this just dark age. And dark age is just like that. this institution of medical history. And look what it brought. It brought the fucking mm -hmm. plague. And then it's like, oh, shit. Mm -hmm. Let's go back and read those, you know, hieroglyphics from the Egyptians and like the body. Because they had so much knowledge about the an anatomy of the body because of all the mummifying they did. Yeah. Let's look all fucking, that. Let's Egyptians translate. had braces. Did you know that? I didn't know that. Egyptians had, had braces cast. for like long times. The yeah. best understanding oh, yeah, of the human of brain. Oh, yeah. Too. Yeah, they were advanced. There's, there's the like, in the dark ages, they would just chop off your arm if you broke a bone. Egyptians could mend your fucking femur. <laughs> yeah, like, I mean, <laughs> I mean, look, it, in the dark ages, it would be like a horse getting their leg uh, broken. A racehorse, yeah. A racehorse. You have to put it down. <laughs> they knew that you would chop your, they would chop your leg off, but that would mean you couldn't work in the fields. You couldn't do much. You wouldn't yeah. sustain. So you would eventually die. Yeah. Also, they believed in a lot of wound cauterizing and wound cauterizing, unless done, pro like there's a proper way to do it, mm. which is, bur it's burning the wound. Yeah. Uh, if you yeah, don't yeah. do it the right way, you get an instantaneous infection and die. <laughs> yeah. Like it's, it's like instant, it'll stop bleeding, but you'll get an instant death. There's a right way to do it with materials. Also, it's just not an efficient way to stop bleeding. And like, Egyptians were sewing up wounds since 
since like 3000 BC. So I'm sorry. Who lost that shit along yeah. the way that they were like, yeah, just burn the wood. It's so much better. Just burn it off. Don't yeah. don't carry a sewing needle with you burn everywhere you go. <laughs> you know, it's a fun game. How the fuck did we get on this topic? <laughs> Egyptians and cauterizing wounds. What I was trying to say that the, the blacks had all the, the keys. Yeah, they do. That's they what do. I'm trying to get at. That's what we're trying to get at. That the this illusion of seeing the black as wrong and seeing all this has led to a lot of misinformation and the damage yeah. to the culture. Yeah. It was nice to listen to that though. It was very informative. I mean, it's what I'm just trying to get at is in the collective sense. Especially Republicans do this. Like this concept of it's conservatively right to not have things like universal care, health care, or it's conservatively right to not have this and not have that and social mm. programs. Mm. And it's like, if not for over history, these types of social programs that we've done in smaller ways and different ways, we would not exist as a society. And it is the only way forward. We have the wealth. We have the food to feed the hungry. We have the space to feed to put the homeless in a place to stay. We have the ability to take care of mental health. We have people who would love to learn psychology, take free college education, learn psychology to treat people with mental health and learn more about mental illness to yeah. then advance that whole study as a field and then fucking cure dementia for all we know. Yeah. Like we could, if we were to do things like that overnight, we'd solve. So many problems. Well, not overnight, but you get what I'm trying to get at. Yeah, it's from yeah. the collective. And it's like, there are, there are people who actively have brainwashed themselves and others into thinking, no, 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 no. We have to be against each other to get ahead. Right, right. And it's our human nature. And the funny thing is, Candace Owens, who you're talking about, I, that, that was one, uh, one of the first videos I saw of her and, and I knew it was her bullshit yeah. where she was like on Hit her bullshit that about bullshit. that. She was specifically saying that like, it's actually human nature to only want to defend your own and feed your own. Why would you want to feed other people? And it's like, no, actually that's the no. opposite of human nature because the reason you have a farm is to feed other people. Yeah. Right, you know, you know that's why but we we started labor, farms. Like, we started farms, agriculture, the agricultural revolution. You know, the one that gave us cities was exclusively started because some people were like, "All right, if we do all these potatoes together, we get it done in less than half of the time." Also, we all eat. Right? Who wants to eat? Right. Ah, I want to eat. And you see, this is a beautiful thing we're doing. We're coming together, a couple of friends from all different backgrounds. Just a bunch of giggly guys. Like oh, you said it. Guys. We're just a bunch of giggly guys. Yeah. It's probably not either. Sleepy Tony is getting sleepy. <laughs> sleepy Tony. Sounds like sleepy. sleepy. Be out. Bedtime so, yeah, for Sleepy means. Tony. You know what that means. Mm. That's a sweet cake ass. With your host. Lopez. And more. And we're out. And we're Tony. <laughs> Fuck we're Tony. Bye. 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 Oh, sleepy Tony.